By the summer of 1962, the three core members of the Beatles had achieved a modicum of success in their hometown of Liverpool. Their love of music, signature haircuts, and the capacity of certain members of the band to play multiple instruments had kick-started their career and brought them to the attention of many people in their local area. However, after various bursts of extreme productivity punctuated by breaks of different lengths in order to recover, John, Paul and George knew that something needed to change. <laughs> Do you see what I'm doing here yet, folks? Yep. No. The three um, young men... Uh, knew that they had built a loyal following, but wanted to stretch themselves to reach a wider audience and most importantly, continue to have fun doing the thing they loved doing along the way. So, eventually they concluded that they needed a fourth member. They searched long and hard until they found the man who they felt would complete the group. A man who drummed to a different beat, a man not afraid to do things his own way, and most importantly, a man with a wonderfully positive personality who believed fervently in peace and love for all. Welcome to episode one of season three of In the Lamplight, everybody. And before we hear the man in question on his first assignment with the group, not a recording session with George Martin on this occasion, I'd better say hello to Luke and Rory. How are you, lads? What's the well, crack, Karen? It's good <laughs> to be back. It's good to be back. How does it feel to be back was my next question, Luke, but you're already reading my mind. But most importantly, which of us is John, who is Paul, and who is George? Oh. Mm. Let's fight about it. We take a serious amount of things off that list. We have multiple instruments between us. We have a love. We need signature haircuts, Rory. You need to sort us out with that. Yes. Uh, we have three out of four young people. Uh. <laughs> That's a sly one. Oh, sly, sly dig. Uh, it wouldn't be back if we weren't throwing out a bit of abuse, would it? Absolutely. I'm Paul McCartney. No, you're George, man. <laughs> Why? You're definitely George. Why? Right, because, okay, every so often you come in and blow us all out of the water with a musical performance. Like, George. George didn't write much for the Beatles, but he wrote Here Comes the Sun. He mm. wrote something. Like, he wrote some unbelievable classics and that's like what you've done in this show like me and Luke are grinding away every week producing music and then Rory <laughs> just comes in, comes in every so often and <laughs> blows us out of the water with this with this hosier or this Dermot Kennedy does that mean or, that poor Michal is Ringo well that was the whole point of the intro Luke Jesus are you not listening <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen have you ever seen that uh, little family guy bit on the Beatles no no have you seen it the three lads sitting, uh, George and, and, and Paul and John sitting in a room, oh, slaving away, writing music. And Ringo comes running in with a piece of paper. Ah, boys, I wrote a song. I wrote a song. Here we go. And they said, oh, that's lovely, Ringo. Right, we'll just put it up here in the fridge. Right, and they just right keep here, going. Right here on the fridge, Ringo. Right here right. in the fridge. Everyone can see it. <laughs> Very good. All right, let's get on with the episode. Coming up, a fascinating chat with Irish broadcasting legend Ian Dempsey on the role of the DJ, how the name Gift Grub originated, and his love for David Bowie. But first, here is our new and extremely welcome colleague, Michal Kearney, getting reaction on the streets of Sligo after the recent Music's Coming Home gigs, which for many marked the return of the live entertainment industry. Talking to your average Joes, a random question he will pose, what he'll ask one never knows. What's your favourite movie? Savoury or fruity? Do you like a sushi? Oh, it's, it's me, Hall on the... Well, lads, what's the crack? Streets. Oh. It was a mosh pit for a good couple of the songs, and it just got bigger and bigger. I said, uh, call me out towards the end to hear the whole crowd going, ba, 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 and everybody just jumping up and down. It's just... Oh man, it's just a sight that does your heart good. I genuinely couldn't pick a favourite. Of course, Miss Kathy Jordan, she was fantastic. Uh, to be honest, I couldn't put a moment on it. Just the whole thing was fantastic. Like, the atmosphere, the crowd, the people at the back, the people at the front, the people in the middle, they're all just having great crack, you know what I mean? It's phenomenal, Like it's great to see it again. Emily Mead's belting it out, um, the, the lights on the stage. People are just so excited to have live music back and it was just, I was buzzing, I was so giddy when I got back up on stage again. Oh. There's a couple of people up the front shouting at me. Um, somebody was shouting, I love you. So I had to say, I love you back. So that was good crack. <laughs> yeah, Do you get that much? No, I never get that. <laughs> Singing with Shame Your Doubt, which, you know, was an experience and wonderful. And for my first time singing with Cathy Jordan and to sing with her tonight was just amazing. Uh, as you can hear, my voice is gone. 
I, look, it was, it was, it was class. Like we hit them hard at the start with three big numbers at the start. I think once they knew they're in for a party, I think they sort of were on our side at that stage, and uh, it just went from, from from one good song to the next. Loved the Queen, loved all that, but like also your man in the shorts was like doing it for me. Francie Lennon. Yeah, shout out Francie. It's me hole on the streets. <laughs> it's a bit of crack. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so, lads, I went out. Stephen Street Car Park was jammers. We were discussing it that night. I think there was well over a couple of thousand people there. It was unbelievable. Mm. But I was asking the people on the streets what their favourite moment of the show was. And I want to ask you, what was your favourite moment, Luke and Kieran? Luke first. This is a, it's not a Luke exclusive question, but I'm getting to go first, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, finally I have something that Rory can't have a better answer than me for <laughs> uh, do you know what rather selfishly my favourite moment of the show was when I was up front doing the one song that I sang um, and it's actually the part of the show that I remember the least I that just I can I have very vivid memories of every part but that part where I was singing just went by in such a blur it just flew past but I do remember going up the front while the uh, there was like the band were holding chords from the previous song and to give me time to get up there and stuff. And I hit the the first line of the song, you know, just take those old records off the shelf. And, th- and then the band kicked in and then you could see people recognizing what song was starting and just going, oh, woo, and just starting jumping around and big smiles on people's faces. And I could really see faces a lot more when I was out there than I could when I was standing at the back of the stage, kind of really under lights and stuff. And um, it was just a tremendous feeling. After so long, just to hear a crowd that big cheer when you kick into a song and you're standing at the front of that stage, it was, uh, I'll never take something like that for granted again. Never, it was so special. Kieran, mm-hmm. what was your favourite moment? Uh, God, I mean, can I have a few? No. No, no. no. <laughs> I'm in charge now, I'm in charge. Kieran, you've won over. I'm going to have to press you for your final answer. It's like an X Factor thing. Uh, all right, I'll give you one, and I might give you a few more afterwards if I'm allowed. But certainly I remember um, towards the end, I think it was maybe Al. Mm. Uh, call me Al. Luke mentioned it in the Vox Pop there. And I, not, it's not a heavy piano song, so I can sort of step out for a while, step in and, uh, you know, have a bit, you know, have a bit of a wander around the stage, see what's happening, and I walked just to the to the to the back of the stage just to see how people were getting on, and who did I see at the back of the stage, but Joe Hunt, and I'd completely forgotten that Joe Hunt was going to be a part of this show, and like this show was absolutely rocking. We were coming to the end. I hadn't thought ahead, but I just took a wander back, saw Joe, and go. Oh my God, we still have to have Joe Hunt on this show, you know? And <laughs> and Joe came on and he sang Queen and he sang Bowie and uh, those two numbers were, were massive. And you could, the We Are The Champions especially, the Queen, the volume coming back from the crowd on that number uh, was just huge. You know, to hear them over the band was just, you know, that was, that was a special moment. Um, you know, Emily Meads and Sinead Conway singing together. Do you know what, what was a brilliant moment for me, actually? Obviously, Shami and Sandy did Jackson. And they, Shami, you know, Shami didn't know the song blatantly. He came out in his sunglasses with a lyric sheet, had the complete crack <laughs> with it. And in fairness, the two of them did great. It was so much fun. Um, but Shami had asked Marie O'Byrne to borrow her music stand so he could put the lyric sheet on the music stand. And so he did, he'd done this and the music stand was in the centre of the stage but Marie needed it for her next number. And so Shamie was being led off the stage by Sandy. You know, they were just walking off the stage, dancing almost off the stage at the end of the song. And he goes, oh, sorry, hold on a minute. Back onto the stage, <laughs> grabs Marie's mic or music stand, back over to Marie. There you go, Marie. And right, Sandy, come on, let's do it. And, and <laughs> walks off again with her. You know, to have that presence of mind, oh, better sort Marie out. Very good. Uh, little things like that. Proper like, rock star, isn't he, Shamey? Proper rock star is right. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, speaking of rock stars, we're going to move on with the show. And depending on your age, you will know our first guest of this season as the presenter of either Dempsey's Den the 2FM breakfast show or as he is in his current role the host of Today FM's breakfast show I was assured beforehand that he's one of the soundest men you'll ever meet and I must say he lived up to every word of it our guest this week Ian Dempsey 
Ian Dempsey, you are very welcome to In the Lamplight. Thank you very much. I'm privileged. I believe this is the first episode of your new uh, season, as they say these days. Yeah? Spot on, Ian. You've done your research. Fair play to you. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have never spoken to you before, but uh, that is not the case with my co-presenter here, Michal Kearney, would you believe? Um, Michal uh, spoke to you on the radio uh, earlier this year, and we might just, Ian, play a short clip of that so you can hear what happened that morning on Today FM. Oh, excellent. Very good. Good morning to you and good morning Friday And here comes the weekend, 7.04 is the time And we're with you until 9 o'clock this morning And we've got, we're going to Sligo to Michal Kearney Who is over there and he is tuned our way at the moment And ready to kickstart the nation Morning Michal, how's the man, are you well? Morning Ian, how are you? Excellent, now I was in your bar uh, the Strand Bar in Strand Hill, I remember it a few years ago, a lovely place, really well done up, very well decorated, food magnificent, pints absolutely flowing and gorgeous. So how are you getting on over there at the moment? That's oh, great, Chad. Ian, I, I served you, I'm pretty sure I served you. Really? Yeah. You sound you... far too young, because it's a few years ago now at this stage, you know. No, I definitely served you. I think you had a chicken curry that day, did you? Chicken curry, <laughs> was it? Yeah. Would you be fond of one? Would you be fond of a I'll be curry? fond of an old chicken curry, all right. <laughs> I, th- I think I served you a chicken curry that day, all right. Yeah. Very good. Um, well, listen, you're going to do the kickstart. You've recently finished the undergrad in Maynooth University. Uh, and uh, who, were, you, were you living with somebody famous there? I was. Someone very famous. Well, two people that are very famous, so right. it's... Susan O'Regan and John O'Regan and Manute, absolute legends. I think you know the mean, do you? I do know them. My God, you know a lot about me. You're not a private detective by any chance, are you? Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of not. You can ask Sue about it. You can ask Sue about right. it. <laughs> Very good. Well, listen, Michal, let's do this. Let's get it going. And uh, you picked out a great song for us this morning, so I'm going to hand it over to you. The Nation Awaits. Here we go. Cheers, Ian. Ireland, wake up. It's too hot to be in the bed. Here's Robbie Williams, rock DJ. Ian, you know what to do. Hit that button. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> what do you think of that, Joe Brawley? What an operator, my God. Uh, you outdid me that day. That was pretty good jocking there, Hall. Fair play to you. Very Ian, good. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I have a confession for you. Yeah? Uh, I what? never served you a curry in my <laughs> life. <laughs> never, never in my life. No. Yeah, but you see, that's that's the theatre of the mind. That's what radio is all about. You just say things, and I mean, if it sounds right, people will completely believe it. There I had go. to catch out a little bit, a little bit before <laughs> you come on the podcast. Yeah, and listen, yeah, it was great. That, you sounded great that day. You, you've obviously done this before on many occasions. No, well, I wouldn't say I've done it before. That was my first time on radio, actually. You're after kickstarting my radio career now, and that's why oh, the boys excellent. brought me onto the podcast. But listen, Ian, enough about yeah. me. It's on to you now. And just from chatting to you over the past couple of minutes, you've got such a great conversational tone. Like, it's such a great gift that you have. And I don't think you can learn that. I think you can improve it. But what was young Ian Dempsey like? What were your hobbies and who were your heroes? Well, believe it or not, my hobbies uh, were... uh, My my hobbies... Well, I only had, I didn't have hobbies really because I was I wasn't really the greatest you know when it came to sport or anything like that. But uh, I was big into radio. I was just mesmerised by the radio when I first my dad had one of these old uh, radios, a kind of valve radio that you turn on and you know, you'd, you'd switch on the power. And about three and a half minutes later, you actually start hearing something that they needed to warm up and all that. So we used to have one of those on every day in the in the house. And I I was one of those kids that believed that there were little men in the back of the radio there and they were kind of talking away. Uh, and then I, I copped onto that. Uh, but anyway, I was mesmerised by the whole idea of radio. I wanted to be there more so than on television or anywhere like that or be famous or, you know, be in a band. Or I just wanted, I liked the idea of being the man on the radio, the man on the microphone. Uh, so uh, th- that was my principal hobby. And even from the age of about six or seven, I was I was actually making little radio shows. And I actually still have some of those recordings here uh, with an, another chap called Jonathan O'Shea, who lived across the road from me and his dad had it all equipment and we used to make radio shows all during the summer like that's what we did all the time and uh, it's hilarious when you hear some of the stuff because you're you're kind of inspired by other people you're you're uh, you know I used to listen to a guy called Ed Stewart he used to do a show on BBC called uh, Junior Choice and it was for kids uh, but like he had his little jingles and he had his way of doing things and when you hear the tapes that I made I was kind of really copying him to be honest with you uh, but uh, then I found my own voice as everybody does eventually you know because if you don't have your 
your own voice, well, you get kind of get caught out fairly quickly. And Ian, when did it click for you? When did you realise you were actually very good at it? Um, well, I'm still waiting to be honest with you, but <laughs> I know I I kind of well I because I was so committed to it and I kind of believed in myself uh, when it came to radio anyway because something happens when you when that red light goes on and when you start talking even if you're like I'm principally if I walk into a room I'm quite a shy person really I don't I'm not one of those kind of. Uh, you know, straight away, you know, life and soul of the party type of thing. Uh, you know, I, 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 so, but when the radio light comes on, the red light, I change and uh, I just feel very comfortable doing it. And uh, so I, I kind of realized when I was about 15 or 16 that uh, that's what I wanted to do. And coincidentally, that's also the time when all the pirate radios were starting to uh, spring up everywhere all across the country and a lot of them in Dublin. And I just wanted to do it. So I I applied, I sent a tape in, another tape I have, which is quite embarrassing, but at the same time, I got the job uh, and uh, I started working for nothing for a few years and uh, did my internship uh, or apprenticeship. And uh, here I am today, still doing it. And I've been like... Uh, people have said, uh, oh, you've been very lucky. And I think time-wise, I have been very lucky because it, everything was happening when I was also starting. So it all fell into place very nicely for me. But you get a bit of luck and you have to you have to kind of uh, run with it and uh, you have to prove yourself. So uh, hopefully I've, I've done that uh, to a certain extent anyway. <laughs> Absolutely, Ian. Absolutely. Um, come here, I wanted to ask you, the world has obviously changed a lot since then. Mm. And we have so much more access to music now um, than we did then. Do you feel the role of the radio DJ um, was different in those days? And was that part of what attracted you to the to the job maybe, that, that the music you played on these stations had a huge influence on, I guess, youth culture and what people actually listen to? Uh, yeah, it has completely changed because everything is now, you know, through Spotify or through Apple Music. Uh, and, you know, they have their own algorithms and you can see what's popular and people kind of can say, oh, I must listen to that type of thing. Whereas before the radio DJ was the guy who sort of said, I've just found this record. This song has just come in from the States. Nobody's heard this before. I'm going to play it for you and you're going to be blown away by it. And you had to have a certain belief in what you were saying. Uh, And we were kind of trailblazers a little bit and it has changed a lot. But I think it's probably changed for the better and it's not going back. So this is probably the way it's going to be. I think, you know, there eventually there it might kind of go slightly backwards in that there may be specialist programs where people are sourcing music and there's music coming from people's bedrooms and bathrooms even and kitchens uh, and uh, it's really good stuff and you can kind of try and get in at the at the earliest stage of them but uh, it has changed a lot and I think uh, technology has changed in uh, also with things like you get instant like I, I keep lamenting the fact that you know years ago when I started you used to get a week out of a radio competition you know whereby you had people to send in postcards or people that you know uh, they, they do all kinds of things like that nowadays you, you want to give away uh, a, a three bedroomed house in in Sligo or wherever <laughs> uh, and you can kind of do it in a 10 minute text competition and then it's all over but I mean there's no entertainment in that is there no. so I mean I, I'd be trying to uh, I'm always trying to spread things out a little bit and try and get a bit of value out of them. But um, uh, but it has become very quick and you get an instant reaction to either songs or to something you've said. Uh, but you do have to remember that, you know, sometimes the people who send in messages uh, they're having a bad day, or they're, they're, you know, any negative messages you get in. That you don't know what you don't know what's going on in their lives as well. So yeah, you, you can't just sort of say, "Oh my God, somebody said that was rubbish," so it must be rubbish. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know. So yeah. you have to train, retrain yourself as yeah, well. Yeah, very good. And do you remember Ian anything from those days that that you know you said you you'd be introducing new music to people to to the country or to a, a group of people and. Was there any track in particular that stands out for you as like the first time you heard this and this, oh my God, this is going to blow people's minds? Well, I remember coming into, I used to do a show on uh, RT on uh, Radio 2 as it was, 2FM now. Uh, and I used to do it on Saturday and Sunday mornings, Poporama, which was a kind of kids program. And I remember coming in one morning and there was this black seven inch single, a black seven inch single. And there was very little writing on it, except it said Queen and David Bowie. And uh, I said, Queen and David Bowie, because like, I was a big Bowie fan and still am. Yeah. But uh, I said, how did Queen get involved in this? And it was that song Under Pressure, which is an absolute 
banger, wow. an absolute classic. Yeah. And I remember playing it that day and oh my God, I was blown away. And, you know, it was it became one of their biggest well, a huge collaboration, but a huge, one of the biggest hits for Queen and one of the biggest hits for Bowie as well. So it was just, it's just, you know, and on Saturday mornings, uh, you know, when I came in to do that show, there used to be a big, one of those big kind of files, uh, drawers, and you'd open it up and every, all the DJs, you know, Marty Whelan and uh, Declan Meehan and all these people, they all had little brown envelopes with all their, uh, with all the records that had been sent in by the record companies. Like it was different. Nowadays, it's all sent by email, basically. Any Anytime you get a new song, it's all digitally sent. So, you know, that has changed as well. But there used to be, you know, the idea it was like Christmas every, every weekend, you know, you'd open it up and see what was in there and yeah. start playing the songs. Yeah. So I think people were more selective and uh, and people used to bring in their own songs with them as well. And they used to, uh, you know, kind of bring stuff from home. And whereas now there's it's much more playlist. So it's become much more business like. And that's that's obviously that's the way it has to go. You know, so there's a lot more research involved in the whole thing. OK, OK. What mm. is it? Do you mind me asking, Ian? What is it about Bowie? You, you're, you're a huge fan, obviously. I, was, yeah. I saw your birthday cake there on Instagram. The, that's right. There was, yeah. a, there was a, yeah, someone, someone went to a lot of trouble for you with this yeah, unbelievable David Bowie birthday cake. What, yeah, is, what, what is it about good. him or what, 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 what attracts you to him? Um, well, I just think, uh, I, I mean, a lot of people quote that time when he was on Top of the Pops um, which, uh, you know, was on a Thursday evening and he was on, it was kind of June 72 or something like that. And uh, himself and Mick Ronson were doing uh, these song. What the hell was the song? The famous song. Uh, not Ziggy Stardust. Oh God, Starman. Starman, Starman yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, they were doing that and the two of them kind of put their backs up against each other. And that was kind of s- cited as one of the first times that two men had kind of touching backs, basically, that before that, that was never done, you wow. know, whereas that became a kind of a an iconic thing that, that rock stars did and football players did and all, you know. So uh, I think the idea that I just sort of said, this guy is a bit different. This guy believes in himself. This guy is not going to uh, kind of go away. He's not going to just give up. He's he's an artist. He's creative. He's got great ideas. And uh, I was just kind of fascinated by him. And then I started obviously looking into him and listening to more of his music. And, uh, and I, you know, like to, when, to be honest with you, when, when I got the news that he died, I got it literally about a minute before uh, I went on air and I was devastated. And people were texting in and saying, my God, you're really caught up about this. And I was kind of a little bit worried in my head that I was kind of saying, Jesus, I think I would be more, I'm more upset about this than I would be about, you know, somebody closer that I actually, you know, yeah, know. Yeah. Because it really kind of knocked me for six. It was, uh, and then again, when you sit down and think about it, you're saying, what a David Bowie way to go. Like, I mean, he released an album uh, Black Star on the Friday. He on Saturday, all the newspapers were giving rave reviews, like they were saying, "This is brilliant." Bowie is back, and then the next day he died. You know, so it was just—it was almost like he he had written the script himself and said, "This is the way we'll do it. This would be a good ending type of thing." You know, yeah. uh, so uh, unbelievable. Wow, but, yeah, and it was that mm. that famous year of 2016, wasn't it? Where oh my god, it was yeah. it was like he 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 set the trend like he did in his yeah. life, and and one one huge rock star after another passed away that year. Oh my god, yeah, it was yeah. Prince and Leonard Cohen and then yeah. and, and I think Lemmy from Motorhead might have been first to go but oh, it, was it, didn't right? cause, yeah. it didn't cause quite a, quite a big star but Bowie going and then I think on Christmas Day of the end of that year George Michael so I mean it was a very strange year and maybe it was a sign of what was coming to us oh, <laughs> oh spooky spooky <laughs> <laughs> all these cl- really clever guys got out while the going was good yeah, yeah. Right. wow um, I'm going to ask you one more question Ian, before letting Michal back in because he won't remember this um, but a huge a huge uh, feature of my youth and uh, many people in their 40s and 50s I'm sure was Dempsey's Den oh right and yeah. uh, uh, I remember you know coming in from school and the, the crack was if you got your homework done quick you could catch the last little bit of Dempsey's Den before it went off the air and that mm. was the, the sort of incentive to get the homework done fast I remember one year you left the Christmas tree up through January and February and March <laughs> and almost till the summer. And that was the biggest thrill in our house was if yeah. with the Christmas tree. Is still, the tree still up? Is, is it the still tree up? still up? Exactly. That was brilliant stuff. Yeah. But but I, I read yesterday, Ian, they've they've axed the den. Yes. Um, which it's obviously the den. It became the den after after hmm. after you left. What do you what do you make of that decision? It seems it seems a strange one. 
It, it certainly does. Um, and uh, I put up a thing on Twitter last night saying, you know, like it costs very little money. Very, very popular. It was bringing new uh, younger viewers in because a lot of little kids were saying, who are these guys? This is funny. This is noisy. This is colourful. Uh, so what's going on? So RT, in their wisdom, had decided that they uh, are not going to do it. And uh, it's a pity because I was actually, I wasn't involved in the, the uh, re-emergence of the den, but I was actually on Ray Darcy's show just last Friday and uh, Dustin came on and uh, the, the pair of them invited me to come on to the next season, which goes to kind of prove that Ray and uh, Dustin where they thought that it was coming back as well. So this was obviously a very uh, recent change of heart by RT. But I just I can't understand it because I wouldn't say it costs that much money to, to actually do it. And it was popular. And I'm sure they were getting sponsorship or they were getting some sort of advertising out of it. So, and they do go on about being cash-strapped all the time. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's listen, uh, they, they make decisions like that all the time. And uh, all broadcasters do. So, I mean, it's not, I'm not, knocking RTE in any way sure. but uh, it just it does seem a, b- a little bit strange to be honest with you uh, that they did that and I was looking forward to I had an idea for it I mean I was going to say basically um, they said would you come back on as a grand and then I was I was kind of getting a bit excited about it and I said to myself okay how could we do this and I could say that all past presenters of the den got you know the way they're talking about um Bono has the freedom of uh, of St. Stephen's Green and I think Michael Flatley got this freedom of London the other day that all past Den presenters get the freedom of the planet Zog. So Aww. I was going to try and work <laughs> I was going to try and work out a thing where I was on the planet Zog and I came down in a kind of an astronaut outfit and they could do that easily and sound, uh, you know, kind of visual effects and all that and then arrive into the studio in, a, in an astronaut uh, gear take off the hat and, you know, uh, so th- that, was, that was my idea. I hadn't actually said that to anybody else except you guys uh, but there you go Ian so, I want uh, to make that happen now I really yeah. want to make that happen that's, that's why I want them to change their minds so we can do that little bit it's only you know it would just I think it would be brilliant I'm going to write on a placard and I'm going to go up to Dublin in the morning <laughs> freedom for Ian that's what's going to be written Yeah, Ian after RTE you jumped ship and you went to Today FM that was the start of Gift Grub and Gift Grub yes. is the biggest thing on radio still, even after 20 years. And a big congratulations from us on winning gold again last Friday night at the Emeralds. Yes, unbelievable, isn't it? That I mean, I, like we did, we did a thing about two years ago uh, where we had 20 years and we did a show on a Saturday afternoon. And the amount of warmth coming in and people sending in messages and remembering this one and that one. And we did a kind of a chart of the, the top 10, the best ones and all that. Uh, so it's, it's amazing because it started off as a, well, let's try this for a while. And when I arrived, I arrived in 1998 in Today FM and uh, Mario Rosenstock was there. Uh, he, was, uh, he was already doing things, but he was doing little bits for people here and there and uh, we kind of sat down and said okay let's try and do something together and the the thing that I thought would work would be the idea of something that's on every day so it's a constant so that people know when they switch on any day of the week they're going to get this you know the same kind of brand of humor anyway uh, so we, we decided to do that and a bit of a tall order now to be honest with you but uh, we decided then to start off and have Bertie Ahern in a kitchen and each day there'd be a different person arriving in so one day it might be Bruce Springsteen the next day it might be Michael Flatley uh, Paul McClune was actually involved in the production as well and he did a lot of voices and he's brilliant at doing uh, mimicry as well and uh, and some great uh, funny ideas. So we tried to do that and we did that for about two weeks and then we kind of ran out of guests. Yeah. So we said, well, let's bring it somewhere else. So that's why it's called Gift Grub because gift is a... We, uh, one of the things we also said was we wanted to try and uh, bring a word back that had been around years ago and it, had, had, uh, it was gone. And there's a kind of a Dublin expression that, you know, you say, oh, what do you think? What do you think of my new car? Oh, that's gift. Like gift as in brilliant. Oh, it's gift. Uh, so uh, we want to do that and then the grub obviously uh, referred to the uh, the food because it was supposed to be a cookery programme so gift grub uh, and that's lasted and you know very few people actually ask why did you call it gift grub so uh, <laughs> there it is anyway but uh, it's it's been great and it has won many many of those uh, Imros and PPI awards down through the years and I think like you know, when, you, when you're so close to something, you become a little bit complacent about it as well. And every now and again, I have to say to myself, no, this is world class because I've listened to a lot of uh, radio comedy and we used to import some of them when I was on uh, RTE. 
Uh, and you know it's it's up there it's it's up there with the best and uh, Mario is a, a bit of a genius and we don't appreciate him enough at all Well I just find it amazing Ian how like after two weeks you ran out of guests or nearly ideas and then 20 years on it's still so fresh yeah, What exactly. is What's the secret <laughs> recipe there like? Well, I think it's it's that we just try and be as topical as possible. Like tomorrow now, there's going to be a Radio Roy because uh, they're in Baku for the uh, the football match. Um, then there's you know there's always something going on in the government and when they change and like when Enda Kenny came along, we said, oh God, Enda. Now he was a bit kind of. Uh, you know, you think, oh, Enda's a little bit on the bland side of things. So, you know, how are we going to get something funny out of him? But they, we kind of just, uh, you, you exaggerate characters, I suppose, and you you turn them into boom, boom, Enda Kenny, and yes. he becomes Mr. Mr. Uh, Bruce Springsteen fan and all that, you know. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's it, you just, we try to make it as topical. And then every now and again, there'd be something like a, a social media kind of trend or something about Instagram or whatever. I mean, you try and uh, kind of do something so that people say oh yeah I'm like that or I know somebody who's like that or the guy in the office is like that you know so we just try and we have meetings every day you know be, talk about what what's going to be on the next day so uh, we we have the meetings have you know kind of like a, a little writer's room type of thing and then Mario goes off and physically writes it physically produces it with a guy called Lachlan Hart uh, who's a fantastic sound engineer and uh, they put it all together like when he started doing that first of all in Abbey Street, we've now moved over, well, quite a long time ago, to Diggs Lane uh, near Stevens Green. But we used to be in Abbey Street and he used to go onto his laptop, Mario himself, and he used to mix it all. He used to be there for hours, whereas now it's a little bit easier from a technical point of view in that he goes into Lachlan and uh, the two of them, they, you know, within about an hour, they, they've got all the tracks laid down. And, you know, so it's a, it's a bit more efficient than it used to be. But you still have to come up with the ideas and yeah. still have to come up with the, with the laughs, you know. Yeah, it's amazing the, the frequency with which you do that and the, and the consistency, mm. you know, the, the fact that it's daily. You said that was a conscious decision at the start. Yeah. Um, but that, uh, that's not easy, you know, so no, that's a, no. a, even, even more a reason yeah. to give to we don't, we kind of, we we do one repeat as in we play the, there's a fresh one at eight o'clock and then it's normally repeated the next morning at seven because it's still kind of topical and people are still talking about it and obviously it goes online. But I mean, I remember back in the early days when there were other people who used to do little bits of comedy on their shows and they would do one thing on, you know, the, the first day of October or whatever. And by the end of October, they're still playing the same bit out all the time. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, we, we, we always try and keep it fresh as well. So, yeah. I mean, there's... There's a uh, there, there's a, a a good ethos behind it, I think. Yeah, for sure. A lot of musicians here on in the lamplight, and we've had lots of musical guests on over the years. And I've one question for you regarding uh, picking songs. So, you know, do you feel like when you're putting together your playlist for a show, is it like is it like putting together a set list? Do you feel where you have to bring the audience through their ups and downs? You have to start strong, finish strong, and you have a bit of room in the middle uh, for for wiggling around a bit, or uh, how how do you how do you look at that side of things, Ian? Well, to be honest with you, that is uh, <laughs> an avenue of enjoyment that I don't really have anything to do with anymore because I was saying earlier on that it's all down to algorithms and research. And I mean, shows later on in the evening, uh, you know, like somebody like Paul McClune, who was with us for a long time, uh, Paul would have picked out stuff, you know, handpicked songs that he was going to play and say, yeah, that would go well with that and that would go well with the other. But on a breakfast show uh, in the morning, it's basically it's there for you. I mean, these are the most popular songs. These are the ones that our listeners like. These are the and I mean, I know that for some people that's sad, but I mean, I think that, you know, you can you can have uh, a song that you think is the greatest thing, you know, that has ever been recorded. But, you know, if it's not popular, it's going to turn people away. And I completely understand that. But I used to do that and I used to uh, I used to love the idea of sitting down and saying, OK, uh, there was a, a friend of mine who was a producer in RT and we worked very closely, uh, John Clark. And John said, "With I won't mention who the DJ was, he said, he came to me and he said, OK, here's the songs I'm going to play on my Sunday afternoon show or whatever. And John said, OK, take those songs that you're going to take, that you're going to play and put them over on the shelf. Right. Yeah, and then he says, yeah. now, now, now pick out the, the show. And so he said, forget about all of those. Basically, he was kind of saying, freshen it up. Don't just go with the, 
you know, the, the cliched ones or the ones that, you know, everybody's heard a million times. So, I mean, it is a situation where I haven't really, I do, I, I do pick out, you know, Spotify playlists for here at home and I, um, and I love doing that and I love moving them around and I love saying, now this would go well with this one. Like we have friends that when I go up to their house, they say, right, you're on. And they, I pick up my phone and going through their Sonos uh, system, I'm kind of playing a song and I play them one by one. I don't do up a playlist. I kind of do it one by one. But while while I'm doing it and while we're chatting and drinking wine and whatever we're doing, yeah. uh, I'm I'm thinking, okay, what what would go well with this next? And you put on the next one and they love it. It's great. It's, it's kind of a bit of a surprise to me as well. But uh, but I think the the art of of ra- you know kind of music radio uh, compilation for daytime radio is kind of gone at this stage. And I I I do understand you know, why that is. And I think it's probably right because, <laughs> you know, in the early days and, and in, in the days in RTE and that it was all over the shop. Like, I mean, we were, people could play absolutely anything at any point and uh, there was no consistency. And, um, you know, you just hope that it doesn't become too homogenized. But there you go. And anyway, that's life. I'm not going to argue it now. I'm, I'm in the business too long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Ian, um, so you're saying that when you were at parties, you were kind of the, the guy in the decks nearly. What would be yeah. your go-to to get the party started? Get the party started. Oh, God. Uh, well, you know, this this might sound, this is the first song I ever played on the radio and I still think it's a, an absolute cracker and it's very old, very, very old and the man who sings it is actually dead and he's from Mullingar and it's Joe Dolan. You're such a good looking woman. Oh me, and, oh my. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm sure it's probably with all the way things are now, it's probably not even appropriate to play that song anymore. But, uh, you know, I also gave that to, um, I interviewed Robbie Williams uh, just before he did his last gig in Lansdowne Road and uh, I was we were out in the, that hotel out in Ballsbridge I, I keep changing his name is it the Ritz car? no it's not the Ritz oh, oh I can't remember what it's called anyway uh, we were out there and uh, at the end he said to me uh, when the mics were off he said okay yeah uh, say what what do Irish people what's what's a good Irish song you know because I want to do something that's a, a very Irish so people will get going on and I, I gave him that one and he did it it was amazing oh wow Sean O'Reilly who used to uh, work with us um, she was uh, she's, she <laughs> <laughs> she texted me. She texted me and then she put something on uh, a video and she must have given me about 16 messages to say, he's doing it, he's doing it, he's doing it. Because uh, she was at the gig and I wasn't. But uh, so <laughs> he, he did it though and it was great and it went down a treat as well. So I love that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, and a bit of, bit of, uh, bit of Donna Summer is always good, you know. God, I, I think she she was absolutely amazing as well. Uh, well. These are all people that aren't around anymore, unfortunately. But uh, Donna Summer. Yeah. That is one yeah. that I'll be putting on in my next party. Yeah. Ian, yeah. we're going to yeah. do a quick fire round with you now, if you don't mind. Oh my God. And it's all based on Sligo knowledge, kind of. So like, oh dear. you might, uh, I don't know. I'm going to give you a chance anyway. Okay. Question, que- <laughs> question number one. Yes. What's your favourite Westlife song? Um, my favourite Westlife song is the one that's not flying without wings. The one, the very first one. Swear it again. Swear it again. Oh. Swear it again. Yeah, because that signalled to me. It said these guys are onto something. This is this is gonna be this is gonna be good. Swear it again. Brilliant. And I still, I'm, I'm, the lads. Anytime I've met the lads a few times, and uh, Keen isn't too happy with the fact that I say I think Mark is probably the best singer in the band. You know, oh. <laughs> doesn't like that at all. Oh <laughs> my goodness! But I do believe it. I do because I think he's got a very soulful voice Keen is fantastic but you know uh, and uh, Shane and all the guys but uh, uh, but I think Mark is a, a really good voice anyway Okay question number two what's your favourite Yates poem to recite before you go to sleep It would be Clocks of Heaven um, Tread Soft Here You Tread On My Dreams Wow That's my, my, my wife's favourite one as well Wow I did not expect you to get that Okay yeah. In our final question one of our co-hosts here Rory Maitland a lot of our listeners will know him as a bit of crack. He's grey crack. But he has got a barbershop here in Colooney in Sligo. Ian, next time you're in Sligo, we're just wondering, would you come in for a haircut with us? I would love that, yes. I got one in, in Limerick and I was invited down. I got one on a ski trip once as well. So I'm into getting kind of mobile haircuts. What's the name of his, his shop? Maitland's. We'll sort you out. He'll sort you Maitland's. out. Maitland's. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. Is he any guys, you got a good reputation, yeah? Brilliant reputation. What do you want? Two back and sides? What do you like? Whatever. I don't use the blades at all. Just, just a cut. Okay. And, and 
and not too much talking. Although, is he funny? Yeah, is he entertaining? Would he be good? Ah, yeah, no. Will, he'd, he, he'd keep will he be asking me where I went on my holidays and stuff like that? And we'd say, you're not working today or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How's work, how's work <laughs> treating you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Ah, uh, yeah, no, uh, Rory, Rory's good crack. Listen, Ian, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Well, you're more than welcome. We opened the, the show with um, a clip of Michal introducing a song on your show. So we were wondering, would you do us the favour of introducing the song that our house band here on In The Lamplight is going to play uh, courtesy of you, Ian? Yes, I'd love to. Well, thank you, Kieran, and thank you, Michal, and uh, all the gang and Luke there on the old knobs. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the song that I picked out that uh, I've asked your house band to do today is by uh, a guy who is one of my heroes. I really love his music uh, and uh, I love there's a line in this song. You're tired of dreaming someone else's dreams because they really don't include you anymore, you know, and it's the whole idea of have your own dreams don't be, it's very Yatesian actually, to be honest with you. And uh, the other bit is, tonight we're going to paint the town. We're going to drink champagne till we both fall down and find some other crazy dream tomorrow. The song is called Crazy Dreams. It's by Mr. Paul Brady. But now it's about to be maybe surpassed by the In the Lamplight house band. Thank you very much. Take it away, boys.
All right, that was the In the Lamplight house band <laughs> featuring uh, Luke Devaney. <laughs> <laughs> and... Luke Devaney <laughs> and a fair few other Luke Devaney's I won't go through every instrument he played on it but that was a Paul Brady crazy dreams right we have a brand new slot to finish the show folks and who better to explain it than the host of the segment the bearded barber himself Rory Maitland <laughs> if your life is feeling grey like a dull and cloudy day Chase your blues away. Rory recommends you something to defend you. On the bottom, not offend you. Also fix your hairdo. It's Rory recommends. So this is Rory Recommends, a brand new segment for the end of each podcast where each week I will tell you something to do or listen to or try or we'll try things. It's a bit all up in the air. We haven't really a clue what we're at. But this week we went cliff jumping and here's a little clip of how we got on. Well, I even came home early from the pub last night, lads. Did you? I did because of this. I said I better be alright in the morning. <laughs> uh, yes, we're going to cliff jump. I haven't been in the sea, I'd say, in about five years. At least at the crucial moment in skydiving, someone pushes you out. You know, <laughs> you don't actually have to jump yourself. Are you nervous? I'd say when I see it, I'm not, I feel okay at the minute. Make the decision whether you're jumping, and if that decision is yes, take steps to do it. Go on, Luke! Go on, Luke! Go yeah. on! Unbelievable! That was some splashback, wasn't it? Uh, I'm more no, no, no now. Yeah. And literally 30 seconds ago, I was grand. Yeah. I didn't even say my prayers this morning, like. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah! Right, lads. As the listeners heard, there was water, there was wind, it was cold of a Monday morning. For when you're listening to it now, we went on a Monday morning to do this. How did you get on, Luke? Cliff jumping, have you ever done it before? I have not, but to be honest, the biggest challenge for me was not the cliff jumping, it was the Monday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Monday morning is a time of the week that I don't often see if I've been gigging on a Sunday or something like that. Um, it was great. I I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, the heights thing, it doesn't, doesn't phase me really. Um, the th- I, 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 I'm quite a warm creature. I like to be warm. Sure. I don't like being cold. I don't <laughs> like being wet. So the worst part of the whole thing was when you handed me a, a damp wetsuit. <laughs> a well-used You handed wetsuit, everybody else well. a dry wetsuit. You handed me an old damp squid of a thing and I had to put that on. And I was <laughs> shivering away in that until I actually jumped and then I got out again. And then when I had some fresh water on me and I warmed up then. But yeah, that was the most miserable part about it. Jump, jumping off the big cliff was great. Jeez, and you were mighty at it. I, I, you actually surprised me with your attitude towards it, which I thought we would have got a little bit from you. That would have been kind of like, oh, I don't want to jump off. Jeez, you were fit. Don't, the, the heights don't bother me. Nothing bothers me. I'm going straight in. Kieran, you jumped off the cliff. How'd you find it? Well, I had uh, never worn a wetsuit, lads, would you believe, before today. <laughs> I mean, I've been in the sea plenty, but just never wore a wetsuit. Never owned a wetsuit. And so today, um, shout out to my brother-in-law, Porig Prunty, who lent me his wetsuit. And... Because of that, I didn't want to get out of the water. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I jumped in and, okay, there was a little bit of, when you step onto the ledge and you look over and you see the drop, I mean, you sort of had to, uh, I guess, just say, right, I'm doing this and just do it. Because if, if, if you overthought it, you'd, you'd be there a long time thinking about it. So I jumped. But once I got in, I, I, was, I was quite happy in the water. Do you know? It was lovely. It's just so, so warm and cosy in the wetsuit. Mm. Um, and yeah, look, it was a great way to, to start the week. So my terrifying expedition up the side of a cliff to jump into freezing cold water has terrified nobody yet. Uh, <laughs> Kieran was delighted in the water. He was warm. Luke didn't bother the height. But we did have another lad with us, Michal. Young Michal was up on Yon Cliff. How did you find it? Uh, the worst and best experience of my life. It was so bloody scary. But you know what? Like, it was great that you and Luke jumped in first. Sure. 
and you were like Olympians, the two E hopping in, <laughs> three somersaults from Luke. <laughs> no, not quite. Not Do you know. Quite. There's video footage of this, and this lie is getting caught out. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was a lot easier. Like, and the way that everyone was kind of a lot calmer than I thought they would be. Like nobody. Nobody was scared as, at the start. So. As Luke said, the presence of four or five cameras uh, didn't allow us to really lose it too yeah. much. You had to half hold it together. And speaking of cameras, this podcast is obviously released on a Wednesday. And if you're listening to it on Wednesday, the video footage of me, myself and the guys jumping off said cliff will be available tomorrow on Thursday. So make sure to check that out, lads. Are you looking forward to the next Rory Recommends? I don't know how you're going to top that, man. Yeah, though you really started strong there, didn't you? Yeah. I'm thinking a marathon through the Gaza Strip. <laughs> we'll see what happens next week. All right, good luck. <laughs> All right, lads. So for Rory Recommends, would you give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, Luke? Solid thumbs up. Solid Rory Recommends. Thumbs up. Good. Yep. Kieran? Two big thumbs up, Rory. Fantastic. Michal? Three. Three thumbs up. <laughs> so from In the Lamplight, if you can swim... And you enjoy the thrill, go to a cliff and jump off it. Fair play. Brilliant. That was uh, this week's Rory Recommends, folks. And uh, that's all we have for you for this week. Before we go, however, all of us here at In The Lamplight would like to dedicate this episode to a huge fan of the show. A great supporter of ours in our early days, who sadly is no longer with us. His encouragement, advice and the effort to which he went to let us know he was listening to and enjoying the show were always hugely appreciated. Declan Walsh, may you rest in peace.